George Kirkpatrick, Inspiration for the Nation. The month of August has been a celebration of 50 years of hip hop. Hard to believe the first record that gained commercial success, Rapper's Delight, but it was long before that. It was long before that. Dr. James Peterson joins us. He's a hip hop scholar, writer, consultant, and a columnist for the Philadelphia Citizen. He's got a piece called Quantum Hip Hop. Check that out at the Philadelphia Citizen. And we'll uh, probably get a little piece, a couple pieces of that. So, Doc, good to see you. Thank you for, for being hey, on the program. And let me just talk to you a little bit about some of my early remembrances. Sure, sure. So I'm a young student at Syracuse University. I go home for, you know, my various breaks. And mm-hmm. there was a particular club in the Bronx called Club 371. Uh, and, and, and DJ Hollywood was wow. the DJ in Club 371. Wow. And I, it's so funny because I was like, I wonder where, I don't even remember where it was in the Bronx, but I remember going there and, you know, he's cutting up the songs and he was like the hottest DJ. Hollywood is one of the early hot hip hop DJs. Yes, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so I just doing Google for a minute, Club 371, it's like iconic, right? Like okay. one of the first clubs back in the Bronx. So just for people to know it's on, it was, on 166th Street, I remember when I would I would come home from Syracuse on my breaks, I was hitting Club 371. That's and then there was a there was another club. Now this club I didn't go to, but a lot of people did. The Fever that was on like Jerome Avenue, right. in in the Bronx. And I didn't really mess with the Fever too much, but I did mess with uh, Club 371. And of course, 1520 Cedric Avenue in the Bronx considered the birthplace of yeah. hip hop and look at where we are today, where we are today. And, you know, I think of hip hop, you know, hip, hip, just even what the, where hip hop came from that terminology, right? And, and I was listening to your piece in the Inquirer. I forgot about the B-boys and the B-girls, right? That's what we used to call people who used to break in the street, you know, people who used to have that. So anyway, I'm really excited to talk about 50 years of hip hop, hard to believe that it's been 50 years. Um, and so where, where we at, bro? Oh, oh and then I should also say that they had the big concert at Yankee Stadium. And I that was actually very special to me because I thought, where else should they have that, right? Why, sh- it, it should be at Yankee Stadium. Um, but they had another one like a week before in Forest Hills. Like, so, so, so they've had various different conferences all over the place. All over yeah. the place. I uh, I did um, I did the I did a panel um, at the New York Public Library last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, this past weekend on Saturday, I was at fifteen twenty because it, yeah, it's cool that it was at Yankee Stadium, but the the outdoor block party thing that they actually had at fifteen twenty Cedric was incredible on Saturday. Really, it was amazing. It was, first of all, just amazing to be in that space, you know, to be on Cedric Ave, to be in the place where hip hop was born, but Man, in a community were, room, right? <laughs> yes, in a small little rec room, in a you know, in a, a, a humble housing um, project in New York, and but people came out on on Saturday for for the for the outdoor kind of block party thing. Everything it was, I mean, it felt like there were tens of thousands of people out there. I'm pretty sure there were. Uh, the music was really dope. Um, yeah, performances by CL Smooth, Kara Swan, Public Enemy, a bunch of different people. It was really incredible. And it's been, 
it has been humbling to just to celebrate it and for people to call on me to ask and you know can I help and well, you know what can I do and so you know I wrote quantum hip-hop I spent a lot of time thinking with that and sitting with that just to give folks a feeling of what I'm calling the physics of hip-hop which is the kind of time space sensibility mm -hmm. of how long has it been here how much space does it take up how long will it be here those are the kinds of things I'm kind of reflecting on and and obviously it's been here for a while. Five decades is not, it's, it's, it's a lifetime. And I think it's, I think, I think it's here to stay, but there's something about that space in the Bronx and something about what the Bronx was, even for people who don't know, like one of the things that created the environment within which hip hop culture was born was a lot of poor city planning, right? There was a lot of like, you know, there was a lot of post-industrial economics where factories are leaving cities, things like that. But in the city of New York, it's also like they built highways through residential neighborhoods in the Bronx. The Cross Bronx Expressway. Yes. Bull, I mean, a, a major interstate is bisecting a city. People yes. don't realize that that was once yes. people lived there. On people the, lived there. Was 95 south and north, north and south. But that's why 1520 is so amazing because, you know, Sedgwick Ave is right by the highway. right? By there. the Major Deegan, Interstate 87. And so it, it helps you to understand, like, what it's like to what it was like for people to live in that in that kind of space where, where you know where somebody builds a highway literally highways through the hood right let me jump so, in real quick on that as you continue that thought and then when you go over there today it ain't that no more like if you go down farther with well that's a little that's the hip-hop museum i'll talk about that in a minute what's over there now but go ahead yeah the neighborhood is not what it was in the 70s the 70s you wouldn't want to be around there Right, much, right. Uh, uh, but it's not that anymore. There's obviously it's New York City. There's a lot of gentrification. There's a lot of things change over over time. But they've been able to preserve it, and they're they're you know fifteen twenty Cedric Ave it will be a historic site. You know, it's it's going to be designated as such and preserved as such. So, so yeah, man, fifty years. So I wrote about it, did some programming around it, and then went there on Saturday for. Uh, but if it, but you know me, bro. I've been writing about hip hop for most of my adult life at this oh, point. Yeah, yeah. You know, a few books about it and lots of articles. Yeah. Uh, what's what are some of your books you wrote about it? Uh, first book I wrote was a book called "The Hip Hop Underground in African American Culture," which, which you know, I grew up really loving underground hip hop and really thinking about it like conceptually because it was a bit more conscious and more substantive and harder to find and. And I felt like more compelling to listen to. And so I wrote a book about the concept of the underground uh, in black culture from the underground railroad to the underground of hip hop. Nice. Uh, you know, my, my, my second book on hip hop is a book called uh, Headphones, which is a scholar's critical playlist, which is a book that's really, I put that together for educators, for educators to use and think about different ways uh, to bring hip hop culture into the classroom. Um, so, so it's ironic when you think about this, the, the concert at, at Yankee stadium, you think about the panel programs at the New York public library, those institutional spaces were not open to hip hop in the beginning. Yeah. Right. I mean, just the idea, even today, like I'm thinking, I'm looking for an article about what happened after the event, but you know, they had it at Yankee stadium and like what it took to have it there. And Here's why I was like fanboying about it being in Yankee Stadium, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you think about 
what that represents, the billion-dollar mega right. institution right. surrounded by a whole lot of stuff that ain't that, right? right? You know, right. you know, right. Yankee Stadium is in the it's it's in the hood, it's in yeah. the neighborhood, it's in the yeah. neighborhood, right? Yeah, you is. know, you got the courthouse across the street, but when you draw the concentric circles, you know, you're in the community, and mm -hmm. you know, back in the day, uh, it's just ironic that the world's one of the world's most successful franchises is in that neighborhood. And that's also like part of the critique. So on the one hand, I was really excited about that, but I also look at the irony of, of Yankee stadium as a, as a site. It is ironic. Again, the new, the main New York public library, Yankee stadium, you got a, a Jay-Z's exhibit at the uh, Brooklyn museum. Like, it's great to be in these institutional conventional spaces, but I think people need to honor the irony that you're talking about, which is those spaces were not open to hip hop culture in the beginning and really for a long time. Right. Um, um, and so, so it's, it is interesting to see it in this current moment where people have to celebrate it and commemorate it given the humble beginnings of the culture in the in the mid to late 70s. From NPR to the New York Times to the Philadelphia Every, Citizen, everybody, right? Right? Everybody, everybody. Right? yeah. And, and, yeah. and the interesting thing to me, so, and this is, here's why this is interesting to me, your talk, your discussion about, like, I, I am not gonna claim to be a hip hop head. I can't throw all these names at you, but what I can do is tell you that I did go to the Universal Hip Hop Museum, which yeah. is right, 10, ironically, yeah. right? 10 yeah. blocks south of Yankee Stadium in a in an area that is, you know, the next thing because they're building up all kinds of things over there. There's a what's called the Bronx Terminal Market. And at the end of this market is I guess it's the temporary home for the, right. for the museum. They're moving into the, the more permanent building, I think soon. Right. Yeah. So so I go in there and what it reminded me of, Doc, is that talking to Dr. James Peterson, by the way, writer. Philadelphia citizen, hip hop scholar, it's written books on it. What it reminded me of is all the names that aren't Run DMC and right. aren't Queen Latifah. And right. like, there's, like there's such an underground, like they have, they have one of the contracts uh, that, that one of the first contracts that was, was produced there. Mm -hmm. And you know the brother made like a hundred dollars, one hundred fifty dollars. Right, record deals have always been trash. Right, yep. right, right. But it just reminded me of so many names who are there, who were there at the very beginning, and not many, not most of them are not. They didn't have the success as you like LL. You know, on a, that's right. I mean, right? even if you take rappers' delight. Right, right. right. You know, most people don't know who Grandmaster Kaz is, right? But Grandmaster Kaz wrote some of the verses on Rapper's Delight. And and those, one of those guys just stole his rhymes and recorded it. And then he's he's in the Sugar Hill Gang. Right. But Kaz never got the shine of any of the members of the Sugar Hill Gang. And so people, and people who know, know Grandmaster Kaz and probably give him his respect at a certain level. But there's hundreds of stories like that. Brother Kilpatrick, hundreds of stories of just unknown people. And this is the beauty of the culture. The culture can inspire and like help people to work through things in their lives, learn crafts, learn trades, learn how to survive, all kinds of things, regardless of whether or not you become a famous artist within it. Mm. Right. So it, it educates folks, it edifies folks, inspires folks, regardless of whether or not you're the next 
Ice Spice or the next whoever your favorite rapper but, is. Right but that's what it is today. That's what you because because the money is there. So you're mm-hmm. aspiring to be that. So it's the, the entry point is a little different. Some might argue that the skill level is a little different, and some. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, that, well, was I mean, that was a layup. That was a layup. Listen, look, I, I, I do not, you know, look down on the trends of the music or the newer, younger artists or little this or baby that or mumble rap or anything. I don't look down on any of that. Like, the, to me, the culture. A couple things. One, and I mean, you know, I've said this to you before, bro, which is the culture has great capacity to critique and check itself. Right. Uh, you just have to find the things that are that are whether that's materialism, misogyny, violence, whatever you think is ailing in the culture or in the music. The there there are artists who are trying to address that in the music and in the work they do in the uh, in 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 the community. Mm-hmm. And, and listen, the music I listen to is not the music that my pops listen to or that my even my older True. brothers listen to. Like True. I don't expect uh the the music that my kids listen to. I'm just, even though I do listen to some of the stuff that my kids listen to, we do listen to some of the stuff in common, same stuff in common. Right. Uh, but there's always gonna be artists, you know, nostalgia's not good for hip hop. Believe it or not, as nostalgic as the culture can be, nostalgia's not really good for hip hop. I mean, because it it's like looking back at your history through you know, rose-colored lenses. Well, yeah. yeah, no, I get it. It was funny because uh, one of my uh, colleagues, friends, you know, put a post up, you know, as a womanist, I can't get with all the lyrics, but at the same time, I want to celebrate, like, where we have arrived as a culture. Let's review the five elements of hip-hop so at least we get that on the table. Mm-hmm. Elements are pretty fundamental. It's 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 b-boy or b-girl you know whatever you think of as the kinesthetic element right it's djing or turntablism or whatever you think of as the musical production kind of sound element it is graffiti art or graph art or whatever you think of as the visual element and it's emceeing rapping and rhyming whatever you think of as the verbal element and the fifth element that not folks don't talk enough about is, is knowledge and, and and that's knowledge in the sense that Clearly, you have to have some set of knowledge uh, to be able to perfect your craft at any of those other elements I just talked about, whether that's dancing, movement, uh, visual arts, uh, music, or or spoken arts. You got to have some knowledge for that, but also that the culture itself generates various systems of knowledge. So the, one of the beautiful things about hip hop culture over time is it creates knowledge, it creates language, it creates history, right? It actually develops epistemes as it advances culture in all these communities all over the world. And so those those are the elements of it. Some people these days are they they resist trying to have the kind of elemental breakdown of the culture because the culture is so big and it's so pervasive and it, it does so many different things. Um, you know, if you talk, if you ask Karis one, well, that's what I was thinking. I went right to that. You know, uh, he'll give you nine elements, and I don't even remember all the elements. But if you ask Karis one, he'll give you nine elements of, of of the culture. But I think the folks who are saying, "Hey, maybe we can talk about it without reducing it to its elements," or there might be something in that, in the sense that the culture is a lot more than what folks thought it could be or what some people thought it could be early on. Again, that's what I'm getting at in the piece with quantum hip hop is just the how expansive it is. And I'm literally using like analogies from physics 
to challenge us to think about hip hop culture and, and hopefully some new historical. Yeah, and in your piece, uh, you begin by talking about the beat, right? It's yeah. the beat, y'all. Every you know, so yeah. so you yeah. can you know, use your use your PhD, open, brother. Use your I, PhD. Yeah, I don't want to get too nerdy, but what I do is I open the piece is called Quantum Hip Hop. I open it up with a quote from KRS One from a song called Karis One Attacks from an album called Return of the Boom Bap. And that the opening lines of that is we will be here forever, right? Because again, I'm I'm trying to get readers to think about the space time continuum for hip hop, mm. right? Karis One says we will be here forever. That album Return to the Boom Bap, Return of the Boom Bap, I started to riff on that a little bit in the piece because what I'm suggesting is that the boom bap is always returning, right? Mm -hmm. We're always going to return to the breaks and those beats and the foundational, you know, sort of um, uh, percussive elements of the culture. Think and about Apache, always... right? Yes, bro. Yes. <laughs> right? If y'all don't, don't know what this brother's talking about, Google Apache and listen to it, right? Like it's it's all, you know, it, to me, it always kind of comes back to that. And obviously the trajectory of that out of from the Tom Toms of the continent to to 1520 Sedgwick is a really powerful trajectory of black musical production and culture, right? So so I I try to riff on that a little bit about about Karis One's words and and also this kind of idea that the boom bap is always returning, and then take us through some different cool examples. Like one of the examples I use is a long lines from Lauren Hill, where she says two MCs can't occupy the same space at the same time. It's against the laws of physics, right? Now, obviously, she's being explicit in her in her interpolation of physics into the lines, but it's really ill that we we think really critically about artists, or at least at that time, about artists being original. And you know, these days we have a lot of formula in the business, right? So there's a lot of people who sound the same or try to go for the same kind of sound. And I argue that tension has always been in the culture. The tension between like remixing stuff and redoing stuff versus versus trying to do something new and trying to apply some ingenuity to 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 the craft. So I just go through a bunch of different examples like that to 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 make the argument that the culture is here to stay. For, for, Spe for, for. And speaking of Lauren Hill, Lauren Hill, right? Lauren Hill made an appearance, right? Come on now, right? One of the greatest and, to ever pick up a mic. Y'all, y'all might not like me for saying it, but she is one of the greatest lyricists to ever pick up a mic, for sure. Why do you say that? Uh, she's just one of the smartest, the most gifted lyricists to ever pick up a mic. You know, and, uh, and so, but people are like, but you know, what happened? Yeah, people would say, you know, not enough material, right? She hasn't done enough. I don't know if I agree with that. Um, I think people wanted Lauren Hill to be one way and she was another way, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes an artist gets popular and they're exactly what you want them to be. Sometimes the artist gets popular and they're not. And that was Lauren Hill's story. Okay. <laughs> she, she did. So looking at, um, there's so many places to go here when I think about it, right? So Fast forward, you know, you're looking at some of the early artists. One of the things that occurred to me when you talked about the the record, the, the record deals, are we at a point now where, because it's something we created, this is black folks who created this. Are we owning it in the way that honors what we've contributed to it? Because early on, it didn't seem like we did. 
right? Because we didn't have the means, we didn't have the label. We were, we didn't really have that. Maybe from my perspective. Yeah, I mean, I feel like artists, I would be, I have to be honest that artists over the course of my lifetime, hip hop artists have made significant progress in terms of how they think about the business in terms of what they do to maintain ownership over their music over time and in terms of the people they employ they, there's been progress it's not a it's not finished or a mm -hmm. complete thing yet there still is some exploitation and unfortunately as artists got smarter and better the deals got more sophisticated and more complex right and so you know if you're an artist right now that you know social media is a big factor in in whether or not you're going to become affiliated with a major label um and there's pros and there's cons social media works really well for some artists and some artists have been able to leverage that into accessing their own audiences directly um but but that that kind of technology and streaming technology also means that it's harder to capture uh, revenue from from um, from your streams and from the music. So even as artists have gotten better with the business, the business has gotten more complex and more sophisticated over time. I mean, Jay Z is a billionaire. There's that too. Yeah, I mean, there's there are there are a handful of hip hop figures, and I count Dre and Kanye West and and Jay Z amongst these figures. Puffy probably as well who have amassed significant amounts of capital. But we should not let those that handful of men obscure the fact that there are still thousands of artists who love this and try to do this and will never make anything near that uh, from and through so, the culture. And the number one selling artist of all time is? Um, you mean hip hop artists of all time? Yes. I would probably say Drake right now probably has a, it's probably Drake. It's probably Drake. Um, but I mean, that, that. I thought you were going to say Eminem. No, I think Drake has outsold Eminem at this point. At this point. Yeah, at this point. For a little while, Eminem had it. Uh, Jay had it for a little while as well. But, you know, people, people sleep on Drake. I know he's very popular. But people sleep on Drake's presence and what he's amassed in the music business man he's he's the number one and drake's probably sold more records than a lot of pop artists to be honest yeah as you're thinking about drake i'm thinking about beyonce i just went on went on her tour what is beyonce what is she <laughs> beyonce is is beyonce is a unique figure in pop musical culture right so there's no she's one hip-hop she's of the hip-hop generation but I think that I think she I don't know people are gonna hate me for saying it, but she's really transcended those kinds of stuff. She is she is probably the most gifted performer of 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 my lifetime, right? And so and that lifetime does include Michael Jackson, by the way. But I never got a chance to see Michael Jackson when he was really young. So so she's just an incredible performer, incredible. No, it's it's, it's you know. interesting you say that. Because I went to the concert and, you know, it was a lot of stuff. It was a lot. Are you mm. talking about the production or just her in and of itself? Because I'm thinking, how can you say that? Yeah, so the so this I didn't see this latest one. My wife and my daughter saw it. 
And I I think I'm talking more about her earlier tours and shows. Okay. She she danced a lot more. Obviously, she was younger. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. She ain't doing all that now. Not doing all that now. <laughs> but in her in her twenties and and even into her thirties a little bit, there was I I've go to a lot of different shows and been to a lot of different types of shows, a lot of different artists. There's just there was nothing. No one was doing anything like that with, between the choreography and the singing okay. and the movement. Mm-hmm. No one's doing anything like that now. She can't do that now. She's, you know, she's, you know, all of us have to, have to, uh, you know, uh, wrestle with Father Time over time, right? But, 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 man, some of those earlier performances, and she, even some of her 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 award show performances, just distinguish her, I think, from uh, from a lot of the performers. And that's somebody, you know, like I said, I've seen like the Jackson five, I've seen Sade, I've seen Teddy Pendergrass live. I've seen some pretty good earth, wind and fire live. This is a pretty good, uh, uh, live acts, but Beyonce is, is, is whoa. Who should we be talking about in this conversation, both female and male in this, if we're going to talk about hip hop, in other words, people are going to watch this. They're going to listen to it. Yeah, that's easy. Yeah, for so for women, I mean, it's a lot of different women you should be listening to. Nitty Scott is one. Uh, I think Rhapsody is probably the most under one of the most underrated rappers. Period. But certainly, if you want to make it about gender, she's definitely one of the most overlooked and underrated uh, women rappers in the history of the game. Very talented. A uh, couple different albums out there. Lots of great music videos. Rhapsody's has put together as well. But the album I'm thinking of is an album called, I think it's called Eve, which is kind of an ode or a dedication to different women. Each song is dedicated to a different woman over the course of history. But she's super dope artist. Now, she's not one of these rappers who is always flexing about sex appeal and things like that. That's not really her style, but she's really gifted. But I also like Nitty Scott. I also love No Name out of the Bay Area. Another dope. Uh, so... There are, and there are lots of younger women coming out, especially out of the New York area that I don't even know because I don't listen to all the music as it comes out. Uh, on the on the other side, on the other side of the gender divide, I I love chemists, man. Uh, chemist with a K, K H E M I S T, out of Philadelphia. He's just he just dropped a record called Alyssa Demands. That's a super dope record. Uh, but again, he's not like, you know. He's he's not on Dreamville, which is one of my favorite labels, by the way. And he's not oh, yeah. on. Excuse me, you didn't mention J Cole at all. Yeah, I, I, I Dreamville is my favorite hip hop label right now. I know a lot of people like Griselda, who you know out of uh, Buffalo. You know, a lot of people like more you know older or traditional, but but Dreamville is my favorite label because that's J Cole. Jid is on there. He's amazing. Earth Gang is on there. They're amazing. Uh, Smino is on is on Dreamville, also amazing, and Ari Lennox. They have to me, they have the best lineup of hip hop artists of any label right now. J Cole's label, uh, uh, Dreamville. Uh, J Cole and his influence and impact. You talk about Drake, and J Cole has a whole generation unto himself. Yeah, J Cole is interesting because Fayetteville guy, but spent enough time in New York to understand the sensibilities of New York, and that just gives him a. A huge advantage with the culture because he can literally move and speak and reflect the south and he can do some of that up, up top as well not very few artists can can jay electronica can do that but very few artists can do that with the kind of skill uh uh that j cole but also j cole is also an exceptional producer which we can't we can't lose lose sight some of these guys are great rappers but they don't make the music j cole is uh is a double threat 
Dre, Snoop, you know, Tupac, Biggie, yeah. go. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I always, I try to stay out of the, the top five conversations a lot because, <laughs> you know, what, what, I always don't know what's the criteria, well, but. But let's regionalize it, right? So the, mm-hmm. you've got the birthplace of hip hop, uh, mm-hmm. 1520 Cedric Avenue in the Bronx, but mm-hmm. then you have, of course, the West Coast and mm-hmm. what that meant and what that did for hip hop. And then you have the Dirty South. And mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on in the Midwest, what that is. You can tell me what that is, but. Um, uh, Chicago. Ch- I mean, for the most part, St. Louis, Cleveland. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, right. So St. Louis, Cleveland, you know, Chicago. So um, all of these different, you know, how they took what came out of one thing and then made it their own. That's right. Well, that's the amazing story about hip hop's development, not just regionally in the US, but around the world, which is to say like, it starts somewhere. So it started in New York. And then like, through whatever means, you know, kids or somebody will hear it or their cousin will send them a tape and they'll hear it in Philly, right? For example. And so the Philly guys at first will sound just like the New York guys. But then over time and through these different processes, it becomes like Philly hip hop. And so then the New York guy has a cousin in LA, sends some tapes over there. They travel back, you know, some tapes over there. LA guys get the tapes from New York, like, oh man, man. At first, the LA guys sound like the New York guys. But over time and through different processes, they start talking about their own environment and talking about things going on in their own world. And so that's the way the culture is developed all over the world, right? Even if you look at it in, in other countries, when it develops in other countries, at first they rhyme in English or they rhyme like whoever's popular here. <laughs> but then eventually they're rhyming in their own language and talking about their own experiences. Because you got hip hop from the continent, you got Nigeria. All over the world. It's all, all over. over. All over the world, right? You know, and so, huh, 50 years. From 1520 Cedric. From 1520 Cedric. You got to go there to be, if you go there and see what it is, you'll be humbled by what hip hop is. Right. And I, and I think that's the impact when I went into the museum. So just let me set it up for folks. You know, you walk in, you press the button, the lights go on, live DJ in the mix, right? While you're going through. And mm-hmm. then they have, you know, the various different exhibits from the early. And I know um, Cornell had a collection. I got to go back and look at Cornell that. Cornell has an archive with a lot of great photographs and flyers and things in it. Harvard has a pretty solid archive with some good material culture in it, and they do a lot of great programming. There used to be an archive out west, but I don't know what the status of that is at this yeah. point. But the Cornell Archive is still going strong in Harvard, the Hip Hop Archive. I mean, and when you talk about Cornell Archive, I mean, this is a serious, like, you know, well, it's in the protective. Like archival, yes, yes. Yeah, you know what I mean? You know, it's, the gloves yeah. and. You yes, know. yes, yes. <laughs> they're not playing when they. No, do they're not. Um, but again, that's what that's, it's still irony, right? The irony that that hip hop has space in these institutional spaces, given where it came from and the ways in which it was rejected by mainstream society for so long is it's a powerful irony about the culture. How, how do we, Dr. James Peterson, writer, hip hop scholar, Philadelphia citizen, check out his piece called Quantum? What do you call it? Quantum. Quantum hip hop. Hop quantum hip hop. So. Can you have this conversation without critiquing Sorry. some of the lyrics, some of the re-lyrics? Um, 
No, no, we can't. We should be critical of it. You know, where the music is misogynistic, we should be critical of it. Where it's materialistic, critical of it. Where it's violent, we need to be, or we're celebration, celebrating violence, we should be critical of it. I think we have to be careful in some ways. Like, I'm not interested in censoring anybody. I don't want to censor right. artists or censor even radio. What I want is to make sure that especially impressionable young people who are listening to the music have the critical tools to be able to process it and think about it the way that I do. So somebody is saying like, shoot them up, shoot them up, shoot them up, that they have the critical apparatus to say, yo, I'm not going out here to start shooting up people. That's violent and stupid. Right. So, so I, I, I against censorship, but I'm, I'm, I'm all for critical literacy. Did I, I mean, do, do I always have to bring that up? What about that? What about this? What about that? You know, is that fair? Good question, Brother Kilpatrick, because a lot of people get at me sometimes. It's like, yo, you don't ask if country's doing this or rock music is doing that, a lot, a lot. Well, okay, but I hold the culture of hip hop to a higher standard than I do those other musical forms because it's the art form that I grew up with. So I hold it to a little bit of a different standard. So I think it's fair to ask those questions. And also, if if I can hear a song and it inspires me to write a piece or it inspires me to go for a jog or it inspires me to eat a certain way and hip-hop has done all those things for me right then you have to concede the fact this is about the physics of hip-hop too you got to concede the fact that it might influence and inspire folks to do negative things right like if you can say like oh man the music has me pumped up i'm gonna go work out or oh man, this song made me feel like I want to write this story or it made me feel like I want to go eat this thing. If it can influence you in those ways, you have to concede that it can influence people in adverse ways as well. And I think that's where, you know, we want people to have their own intelligence, their own tools, their own sort of what, I, what I'm calling uh, critical literacy to be able to digest things and think for themselves uh, about what it is they're listening to and, and more these days, what they're seeing on their screens. I'm thinking about some of the women, salt and back in the day, salt and pepper, Lil Kim, you know, um, Roxanne Chante. <laughs> so, what about women and their, you know, obviously Queen Latifah and her commercial success, and um, you know, who else? Yeah, I, th I feel like when you look at the culture right now. I feel like women are really coming up as rappers, you know, and when, you know, if you look at like Megan Thee Stallion, Cardi B, you know, Ice Spice, just like the more and more you're seeing more, you know, and again, I don't listen to all of this music, so I don't know all the artists, but you can definitely see that bubbling up. And I think that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it is the, the longevity of the culture you know, that time space thing I'm talking about requires us to be more inclusive in terms of the artists that we that see success through the culture. Can you, can hip hop be hip hop if you're not talking about, the, if you're not talking about coming up, like in other words, Jay-Z's kids in hip hop can't be talking about the struggle. Okay, right? Like Blue Ivy can't be talking about what's what's she ain't talking about the struggle. So I guess is there space in hip hop if it ain't about the struggle? She could be she could talk about her struggle as the child of billionaires, right? She she can't talk about Jay's struggle, 
But she nah, can talk. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, as a child, I'm a child. My, both my parents are billionaire. What's she talking about? What's what's her rap going to be about? I, I, I'll be excited to see what that is because I think that underscores something more important, which is especially rap music. I don't know if all the other elements function this way, but when you think about rap music, you know, people always confuse it as as content, right? Like they think it's like content, like it's gangster rap or it's rap about this. And really rap is the act, it's the form, right? It's the form, it's a form. So you can put any content into that form you want to. Well, well uh, let me give you a different. Let me let me come at it you a different way. What I'm basically saying is, can it be about the struggle. It could be about whatever content she wants to put into her. Well, rap. But, but for example, Will Smith didn't rap about that. You know, he was you know, he was doing. He was getting. Um, what do you call it? Uh, they were calling him corny back in the day. Yeah, nobody's really calling him corny now. But I, I would... well, right because he took that to the bank. Yeah. And I think I think he again, like people don't confuse the content with the form. Right. Rap is form. You can put any subject into it. You know what I mean? To show the skills. So like anytime you feel like you're limiting it to, oh, it needs to be this kind of content to be rap. I think you're misunderstanding the fact that it's actually a form of music or a form of spoken art. It's not like it's not it's not limited to any one piece of content I'm, what i'm saying is wouldn't you argue that um, I, I mean you're making this point but i'm gonna say it again aren't there some who would say that if you're not talking about the struggle in, or in a certain kind of hip-hop it, it makes sense like you I would say you don't, you haven't listened to enough of the music. You know what I'm saying? Like people rap about everything. It's religious rap. It's like it's people in Israel not rapping about the same struggle as the people from 1520 Sedgwick. You know the 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 cats who are really coming up out of the Afrobeat music scene on the continent, like in in Nigeria and in South Africa and in Ghana. Like those artists are not rapping about like what the experiences are trapping music trap music of the South in, in America. Like. If you if you think that rap has to be a certain kind of content, what I would say to you is you're confusing content with form. Rap is a form. You can put whatever subject, content, whatever you want to put into it, and it'll be still be rap. It'll be rap, but will you get paid doing that? And I think that's the question, right? Uh, what well, does commercial success look like? Okay, I mean that you know I'm not an expert on commercial success. <laughs> you know what I'm saying to you? If you, I, I don't know that. I I just have this feeling that where we where are we today? Like we know that it's right now. Hip hop is a global brand influence. Some people have really you know come off all across, uh, yeah. all around the world, and and they're doing very well. You know, look at Fifty. Right, Fifty is a a global producer. Producer, right? Entertainment, yeah. TV, you know the Power series, things of that nature. Um, I remember back in the day, you know, I think it's in repeats now. New York Undercover, remember yeah. the hip hop cop show? Yeah, that's right, that's right. I mean, we can't even keep up with the amount of films and documentaries and TV shows that the culture has has produced. What I, what I would say is is that the good art some of the best art that has come out of hip hop culture 
was developed by people who were not necessarily trying to get rich or die trying, right? Like, like there are some artists who get who become successful because they're chasing that, but a lot of it is not that. A lot of that, those artists are actually chasing a certain perfection of the craft. Even the guys who are rhyming about like selling drugs and like making a lot of money, they want to do that better than everybody else, right? They're trying right. to perfect the craft, and that's. That's what leads, I think, to the best success from the culture. So who is number you like Drake, Kendrick? Who who you like? I like Drake. Hold on, hold on, bro. I did not say I like Drake. You asked me who is sold the most records. And oh. I said Oh, so don't conflate the two. Don't conflate the two, because record sales for me does not indicate greatness. Who's the greatest? Uh, Nas is probably one of the greatest rappers of all time. You know, Nas, if you if you if you look at especially if you look at what he's done recently in the context of his long career, Nas is up there. Jay is up there. Uh, uh, K. Dot is up there. Kendrick Lamar is like top three or four for sure. Uh, for me, Black Thought um, out of Philadelphia is, is way up there. Lupe Fiasco was one of the most intelligent rappers to ever pick up a microphone. And certainly should be on some folks' top two, top three list. So those are some of my favorites. They're uh, all guys. Yeah, I mean, I I'm a big Lauren Hill fan. Um, you know, a lot of the women who are really talented, I'm not their audience. You know what I'm saying? Their audience is younger, way younger than me. Um, you know, the rappers I'm talking about, like our older older dudes for the most part. Who I'm 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 more their their audience. So. Who who would you? I mean, do you still fan out? And if so, who would you fan out about? Yeah, I'm still looking. I've been on the phone with KRS One a couple times over the last few weeks, just working on his 50s stuff. I'm still a huge fan. Yeah, of, you know, I've I've sat down and been in conversation with Nas. I'm still a huge fan. Lupe Fiasco sat right across from me on the table in my own house. I'm still a huge fan of Lupe Fiasco. So yeah, I'm 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 definitely a fan. I I, I wait patiently when I go to see a Lauryn Hill concert. I'm not one of those. I might complain a little bit to my wife, but I'm not one of those dudes complaining all the time, waiting two hours for her to come out. And in in terms of the knowledge piece as an element of hip hop, what is it? What is the knowledge that we would need or isn't really being focused on? Like, what knowledge is necessary? That's good. Good question. Uh, I think just internal to the culture itself, we need to be knowledgeable about the culture, knowledgeable about its history, knowledgeable about the folk traditions out of which it emerged, like the things that shaped and influenced it, knowledgeable about how diverse the the gener the how it was the diversely generated. Right, it was black folks, but also you know black folks from the Caribbean, black folks from different areas of the world. It was. It was uh, Latinx, brown folks, different people coming together around the culture. So the most important knowledge piece of it, I think, is understanding our history, especially now, right? Yeah. On the, to, to dig into the history of the culture. It's still young, uh, and there's been so many celebrations about it. Lots, lots of old heads and founding figures coming out to talk about that history. So, um, so, so yeah, I, I would hope that people would focus on history right now in terms of the knowledge piece. There you go, Dr. James Peterson. Check out his piece, Quantum Hip Hop, in the Philadelphia Citizen. But also, check the brother out. I mean, the brother's spitting some knowledge over here. Wait, wait, about, excuse me. Uh, do you ever spit? Like, what's up with you? No, no, no. What you got? I, you got a freestyle on us? What you got for us? I have anything like that, bro. You know, if you want to. So people should listen to the piece that I did right. for this. 
A lot of people have been. We'll have the link in our video for folks. So listen to that. If you want to hear me, you know, recorded, that's the closest thing you're going to get. <laughs> and podcast producer over there, the citizen drops in all the music really dope. So you can yeah. like experience the piece in a way that, that, that I can't convey just through my words. What is your hope for hip hop? Um, you know, I won't be here for hip hop's 100th anniversary, uh, but my hope is that it will still be going strong and uh, young people will still be engaging. And to your point, Brother Kilpatrick, my hope is that when hip hop is 100, Black folks still have a significant stake in the ownership and the archiving and curation of it the same way we do right now uh, during the 50th. Inspiration for the nation celebrating 50 years of hip hop with the hip hop scholar himself. Dr. James Peterson, writer, activist, scholar, you know, he's doing his thing. And uh, catch him in the Philadelphia Citizen where he writes a column. And he's also a consultant, too. Doc, we appreciate you, brother. Of course, bro. You know, you call me anytime, man. Thank you for having me on. Inspiration for the nation. Mm -hmm.